This is the Pingdom Podcast for June 21st, 2012. So welcome back to the show, Nikolai. You've been out traveling a little bit again, and, and that's one reason why we, we missed the show last week. So where have you been and what you've been learning about security? Well, uh, I had a very nice uh, trip to, to London. Enjoyed the uh, rainy weather, which is uh, a nice uh, alternative for a break to the uh, uh, grueling summer hot uh, hot weather down here in, in, in the Middle East. So, so for, those who, for those who don't, who haven't been to the Middle East, how, how hot is it there now? It's, and it's only June still. How hot? Yeah, so, so we, hit, we hit 47 degrees centigrade, uh, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and it's, it's been increasing steadily. It looks like 2012 will be a very, very hot summer. Wow. Uh, in already talked about 50 degrees and what's even worse is that the humidity is very very high so if you think about uh, having really really sticky and greasy hands and then you have that feeling all over your body as soon as you uh, you go outside your uh, your air-conditioned environment then you pretty much have the feeling that we have down here right wow. now wow wow uh, we have uh, i went out for lunch here in sweden and we had i think the my iphone said 18 yeah, exactly. <laughs> so for, for lunch, did, did you have pancakes for lunch? Because on Thursdays you eat pancakes in Sweden, right? We, we, yeah, that, that's tradition. Pea soup and pancakes. Yellow pea soup and pancakes. But no, I didn't. I, I actually had a pizza, ah. so I was very, okay. I was very international today. <laughs> Which is kind of an Italian pancake, right? <laughs> in a way, in a way. Okay, so the the main topic. Uh, well, do you want to say something about the conference well, that you went to? Yeah, well, I had a very interesting. I was at the F5 uh, partner conference, and uh, F5 Networks. To those of you who do not know them, it's a it's an American company who's focusing on uh, application optimization and application security, and uh, and we had quite a nice uh, event there because everything right now. We didn't only have clouds in the sky, but everything, all we talk about right now at these kind of events is all about how the cloud is going to develop, how the one thing that I, I learned, a new word, is the elastic data center in the sense that customers are right now trying to find ways to buy and build data centers which meets their uh, let's say their average utilization and whenever they need to go outside of that utilization, the idea is that you scale by using cloud services. Mm -hmm. So very, very interesting technology. Um, I have to say cloud still has some some major uh, major issues. Uh, the uh, the CIO of BBC, uh, the um, um, the British uh, TV company, or British Broadcasting Corporation, he actually came out with a uh, an article last week on on um, on uh, the fact that the cloud services, yes, it's good, but from a security perspective, it's still very very in its infancy in the sense that there's still no definition of how you move out of a cloud provider and most importantly how do you protect your data within the cloud itself which is also two of the points which i always talk to customers about sure sure yeah no i mean cloud we, we come back to this topic and again and again and we've talked about cloud security and what you should be thinking about before and and i'm sure it's something we'll come back to it's it's constantly in the headlines for for different reasons and a lot of companies are struggling with the issue of they may have their own hardware right now they may have their own servers in a data center or something and then should they be going to the cloud because it is very um uh, not uh, i was going to say deceptive but that's not the word it's very tempting 
uh, it's very appealing. Appealing, yeah. yes, T- tempting and appealing to look at the cloud, and it's uh, it's dynamic, it's it's flexible, it can scale, and you, you you don't have to worry about having your your service in the data center. And there's a lot of things that are just taken care of. But on the other hand, you're handing over your data and your applications to another company to to some extent at least. So um, it's it's a tricky equation for a lot of companies um, to figure Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so um, uh, the, a couple of things then before we uh, we get to the main topic, which is LinkedIn. And uh, and if if you are a LinkedIn user, I hope you have read the headlines. I hope you read the uh, all the news about LinkedIn and leaked passwords and leaked accounts, those kinds of things. And I think it was it was only what about a week ago or something like that. It, it all happened. Um, so you should have received emails from LinkedIn uh, to reset your passwords. So you should be. Um, secure, but we'll get back to that in just a few minutes. Um, I found an article by uh, Bruce Schneier. He wor- he's actually he works for BT, doesn't he? British Telecom. Uh, I think he that's where he yeah Chief Security Technology Officer at BT, and he he writes a lot and goes to conferences. He's a well um, recognized um, guy in the field of security. So he wrote an article. This is from Forbes um, online: the vulnerabilities market and the future of security. So I'll just read a few things from the beginning. Recently, there have been several articles about the new market in zero-day exploits, new and unpatched computer vulnerabilities. And he says it's not only criminal organizations who take part in this market, who pay for vulnerabilities they can exploit. Now there are governments and companies who sell to governments who buy vulnerabilities with the intent of keeping them secret so they can exploit them. And I'm guessing for other reasons as well. So governments are actually spending, I'm guessing, taxpayer money on buying exploits? Is, is this really happening? Absolutely. You know, it's been it's been happening happening for uh, a, a, a long, long time. You know, if we, if we look at the complexity of some of the, let's call it the more uh, modern uh, malwares and modern modern uh, cyber threats we've had, the complexity and the the the, the, the the uh, technical, uh, let's call it muscle, that's that's behind writing those kind of malwares, do indicate that they have been at least to some extent uh, written or sponsored by either extremely powerful organizations or uh, government organizations. Uh, of course, this is all part of, you know, the uh, conspiracy theories that we go around with in the uh, in the industry in general, but. Uh, Absolutely, uh, you know, cyber uh, warfare, cyber cyber crimes is a part of many uh, sorry many governments' um, uh, plans for how um, you know potential warfare on another uh, uh, country could could be be happening. Sure. Yeah. So it's it's quite interesting because actually. Uh, I've, I've recently written a, an article on, on the same thing, uh, which has not been published yet. Once it's published, then I'll, I'll make sure you can can get the link to to publish in our in our, in our blog. But um, you know, Albert Einstein he he once said that he didn't know what um, what kind of uh, weapons that Third World War would be fought with, but as he said, he knows for a fact that the fourth uh, sorry the, the World War after that that will be sticks and stones that we fight it with, <laughs> uh, and I, I think it's it's it's. Absolutely true, right? That uh, you know, 
we still have the potential of uh, you know nuclear uh, weapons and all of these things but uh, but uh, it's it's quite certain that the that the wars to come they will look very very different than conver- conventional wars and uh, and cyber warfare is 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 one of those uh, attack vectors from from any any um, uh, country mm-hmm. well it's interesting we had a discussion some of us in the office the other day whether and i don't I have no idea how it started but it, it was whether we were actually getting uh, closer to the um, kind of the doomsday from the Terminator movies when, when a, a computer, Skynet or computer network, would, <laughs> would, would basically take over the world. Um, as I said, I don't really know how that started. But um, the... Uh, yeah, I I think you know that's also you know that's my own personal opinion, right? Is that I don't think that there will ever be a situation like that again because it it, it does require artificial intelligence. Uh, what I think, you know, personally from from my side is that we have been so keen on optimizing and 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 making our lives easy by using um, IT and and all of these things that. Uh, in case the system fails, it will be very, very difficult to sustain life as, as, as we have it. Good example, ATM, um, credit card systems, right? You know, how would the world look if we were without credit cards for, I don't know, a week? Because a credit card or ATM cards for a week because some kind of system, system broke down. Uh, I don't think the society could even uh, sustain. Wow. Well, since we mentioned the nuclear, I'll, I'll stick one thing in here, which doesn't really have to do with security, but uh, the, the there is a list called Top 500. There's a, there's a site called top500.org, which twice a year publishes the list of the the, uh, the most powerful supercomputers in the world, and they just published it's just uh, earlier this week. And there's a new number one um, supercomputer. It's built by IBM, and it's in the U.S. It's called Sequoia, and it's... Um, what I f- well, it, it is extremely powerful. Uh, so the BBC calculated. However, they did this. Um, they calculated that the Sequoia supercomputer, the new number one, could in one hour uh, calculate the same uh, amount that would take um, all the people on the planet using hand calculators 320 years to calculate. <laughs> <laughs> so all, all of us on the planet sitting with calculators, calculating for 320 years, this machine does in one hour. And it's used for nuclear weapons testing, if I understand it right. That's the main purpose of this computer. So the most powerful computer in the world. That would be something like uh, the hackers would like to get their hands on and, and bad guys, I would uh, assume. Sure. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's absolutely certain. Uh, yeah, actually, we can that leads us straight into the other uh, you know, our other topic of the day, which is, is the uh, the lost LinkedIn password, which is a lot about computing power. Um, or the one of the vulnerabilities there is a lot about computing power. Um, All right, let, let's uh, let's jump over into that. You, you uh, let, let's add this piece in the beginning first, because you you found just happening um, a day or so ago that um, now people are suing LinkedIn over this. Yes, exactly. It's uh, it's quite interesting that you know to those of you who didn't hear it right, LinkedIn they lost passwords. Uh, Currently, it's been six and a half million password that's been published. Or it's not the password; it's the hash of the password. We'll get closer into that. But they lost it, and uh, they've been published on different kind of websites. And now uh, 
there's certain members of LinkedIn, specifically of the LinkedIn Premium Service, who sued LinkedIn due to the nuisance it is for them to uh, have lost their their passwords. Um, so, of course, it's a it's a civil class act or whatever it's called in the U.S. Um, that uh, that these people they go in and say, well, we've had this much. Let's call it financial loss from having to to change our passwords because LinkedIn didn't didn't take well enough pe- uh, care of them. Um, and quite interesting is it's because LinkedIn didn't use some specific security services, um, which is called salting of a uh, or adding a salt to the uh, to the password hash. So. Yeah, all of this about passwords and hashes that that's that's what we're going to talk about right yeah, now yeah so, so let's, um, let's let's take a step back then so um what yes. happened so, so you said that they lost passwords so how does that happen in the first place uh, yes. and then you mentioned hash and a few other things so start yes, exactly. how, so, how does it happen yes yes so first of all uh, you know when you create yourself on any kind of website of course, you store your user information in that website or you store that information in typically a database or a some kind of file structure inside the um, the uh, the website application. Typically, as a web application grows, it's, it's going to be stored inside some kind of SQL database like it could be Microsoft SQL, it could be MySQL, it could be an Oracle database or something like that, but some kind of, um, of database server. Yeah. And any kind of website will have some kind of application interface between the web application and this kind of database. So that when you log in with your username and password, you type your username and password, that gets authenticated against that database. Um, and any kind of this also means that any kind of web application has some kind of program interface to that that uh, that database. And what some clever people have found out is, of course, a way that you can send in information to the database and try to see to get data out of that. That's typically called a SQL injection attempt. It could, uh, and and by by performing such a SQL injection attempt, you could basically dump information from the backend database by attacking that specific database. This is a, an attack which has been around for many many years. That's one way that LinkedIn could have ty- have, have lost those those uh, those passwords. So simply from an attack, it could also be that LinkedIn simply lost the data because they didn't take care of their uh, environment in general. That they had open file structure or something like that. All of that information is probably going to be speculation on specifically how mm. they lost the information. So we we don't What's- know basically exactly how it happened. Uh, correct. There's been yeah. some some discussions about it. LinkedIn hasn't really confirmed how it happened or anything like that. Um, but what happened, though, it's 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 much more important, is that that uh, right now six and a half million, what's called hashed passwords, were published on different kind of websites. So um, so what is a hashed password? So one of the key things with a password is that if we store it. Uh, we ideally do not want to store a password in clear text. So if I created myself on a website and I chose some kind of good password, in the database, the uh, the application owners, they wouldn't store your actual password. So what they do is that they create what's called a hash of a password. So a hash is a one-way mathematical uh, uh, function on your password. So if I chose a password, let's say the password one, two, three, that could be sent through a hashing algorithm, so a mathematical function, and there's different ones out there, so that could be called an MD5 hashing, could be called a SHA hashing or something like that. 
when that mathematical function is run, there will be a random set of characters which will always, my password called password123, if it's run through that hashing algorithm, it will always look like this. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly the information that they will store in the database. So that means that when I log into the application afterwards with my username and my password, password123, instead of sending the, the password in clear text, yes, I type it in clear text, but between the database server and the application, what we're sending there is the hash. It's not the actual password. So what happens is that in the database, oh, sorry, in the application, it will say, oh, Nikolai, he tap, tap, typed uh, in the password field, password123, and we're going to perform the MD5 hash on that one or a hash on it. And then it's going to say, okay, that's the random value of that specific mathematical function. And it's going to look into the database and say, the password that Nikolai created when he created himself on the website, is that the same value I have of the hashed, hashed, uh, uh, the, is that the same hashed password value? Mm-hmm. So it's going to compare the two and it's going to say, yes, that's correct. If it's correct, then it knows I've typed the right password. If it's not correct or if there's a mismatch between the two hashed values, it's not correct anymore. That means I typed the wrong password. And that's exactly what what LinkedIn lost. So that's the hashes of the password. So most people, they would then think, okay, well, if it's the hash, then I didn't lose my real password. So what's the problem? And that's correct. You know, to some extent, LinkedIn didn't lose your real password. Mm-hmm. The issue, though, is that today, because, you know, you talked about this supercomputer before, mm-hmm. about computing power, is that there's a lot of people in the world who's been donating computer time to creating a database of hashes. So basically what they did was that a lot of computers around the world, we had the city uh, at home uh, project, uh, this uh, whole computing, uh, distributed computing uh, cloud for uh, for analyzing white noise from the uh, background noise from the universe. Yeah. And the same kind of project where it's just about doing mathematical computation has been donating CPU power to create a database of hash values from known kind of, of uh, character combinations. which means that today, from a security perspective, it's a large database, don't get me wrong, but from a security perspective, today, all password hashes using normal hashing algorithms like MD5 and SHA, we have all possible combinations of normal characters and special characters up to a complete length of nine characters. Wow, okay. So that means that if I now have a hash, and I can get the hash value of that. I can compare that with this database, and then I now have the clear text password based on that. Okay. These kind of tables, it's an open source project. Anyone can go in and download them, and anyone can go in and query those tables. You know, here in Helpage, we do pen testing. We use these password databases a lot when we want to check out which kind of uh, of passwords people they have in their in their applications and try to to guess them, and these tables are called rainbow tables. Okay. Um, so uh, I'm all for open source and stuff, love open source, but why would somebody <laughs> do this project? Well, in its, in, its, its, in its pure function, there's nothing wrong in doing this, right? It mm-hmm. doesn't need to be a malicious thing to, to try to guess all of these passwords. Sure. There can be a malicious use of it, that's correct. But uh, in, in general, it's just about doing mathematical functions. Uh, and that's, of course, the people who've been doing rainbow tables. That's what they've been f- been, been focusing on. But, and there's, of course, good uses of it as well. Okay, but yeah, but what, what other use would there be other than 
to basically figure out people's passwords? What, what would be a legit well, use for it, kind of? Well, cracking a password is not always bad, right? If yeah, you forget okay. your password, sure. if you forget your password and you want to get access to some data that's been, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, encrypted or something like that, maybe you want to be able to guess that, guess that hash, and that's the, the, uh, the reason behind it, uh, at least the legit reason behind it. Um, those database tables, they're about, I think it's about six to eight terabytes right now. Wow! So okay. it's quite a lot of data you have to download. Yeah, it's not not just for anybody to download them. <laughs> no, you also need to have the storage capacity. Exactly. We had to buy a whole sand just for this. <laughs> wow, okay. All right, so the LinkedIn lost hashed passwords, six and a half million of them. Do we know if, if anybody is actually going through these now and, and figuring out the passwords? Of course they are. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we tried it here in the office using our rainbow tables, right? And, uh, you know, there's websites out there now where you can do comparison of hashes and all of these things. Um, you have to be careful. If you haven't changed your password yet, please do it. Which leads me into something completely different, which is your password policy for your online yes. identity. Yeah. Never use the same password. Because if you have, you know, Something like LinkedIn, it's not just about being able to get access to your LinkedIn uh, profile. If you're using the same password for Facebook, your e-banking and whatever kind of services you might have, uh, you know, those services are vulnerable as well. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn is just one, let's say, data vector in, in an attack. What needs to be said, though, LinkedIn, uh, according to the data that's out there, did not lo- lose the usernames associated to a password. So... If uh, you can put it in another way, that if you have a username, uh, LinkedIn, I think they have about 100 million users or something worldwide, you still have to guess that password belongs to that specific user, right? So it's, it's, it's not that, you know, that you still, it's, it's still a theoretical attack. Yeah. But, um, but in general, let's say that you put in your username and your password, for instance, and someone is doing a... I don't know, clear text hash, uh, sorry, uh, a hash on it uh, and, and trying to find the clear text, uh, text value and figures out, okay, that's the username or, and, and that's the, the password. It's some users, they have weird ways of doing their passwords. So one password could be, uh, sorry, the username could be user123 and the password could be user12345, right? Um, so you have to be careful of how you set up your password strategy. So, so the risk here is not so much that the bad guys would get into your LinkedIn account as the, uh, it's a bigger risk that they would actually get into your account somewhere else. Correct. Absolutely. And again, they have to associate, they have to be able to associate that specific username yeah. to a specific password. So it's a theoretical attack still, but, you know, of course, they have one piece of the puzzle, which is your password. Yeah, and a good start for anybody who would like to do some some bad stuff. Okay, you talked about, you talked about a password policy. What else should we think about in terms of our personal password policy? Well, you know, I would say the the, the most important thing about a password it's not how often it gets changed. You know, you know, banks and organizations they have an idea that a password should be changed often because. It's uh, more secure that you have to remember a new password and, and, and the potential of you leaking the password sh- will be, be higher over time. And to some extent, that's correct. But, you know, you should change the password whenever you think it's you, you've been not, let's call it, treating the password right. You know, when you're logged in from a machine which you might not be able to 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 trust or, or something like that. 
Um, so when you're using an internet uh, cafe, PC, and all of that stuff, that's really where you need to change the passwords. Um, and then the most important thing about a password, which you know is much more important than complexity or anything like that, is that a password it needs to be unique. You should not have the same password on multiple services. If you choose to do it, try to generate some kind of uh, let's call it logic around your uh, your your um, uh, the applications that you're using, the passwords that you create, so that the applications which are you know, I'm I'm a member of a cooking website, right? Mm-hmm. Where I need to log in in order to get I don't know the latest forum information. Honestly, I don't care. That's not about my online identity that people can log into that uh, cooking website. Sure. Uh, but I do make sure that that and and for that I have a uh, my own personal idea about that password is that that's not something I want to 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 uh, you know. Uh, remember too well um, so it's it's something fairly fairly easy uh, easy but for all of my other systems like you know facebook linkedin and whatever i'm using right there i make sure that i have a completely unique password which cannot be let's say uh, easily uh, guessed and and most importantly it's unique i think you've said this before on the show but if you don't mind sharing how do you create these unique passwords because you can't just yeah. you can't just sit and think them up yourself. No, so it depends from from individual to individual um, uh, what what they re- remember well. Um, you know, you should um, the reason you should create your passwords based on some special characters, and it should have a, a specific length. And what I do, I always want to have my password longer than the, the most recent rainbow tables uh, out there. <laughs> okay. And the reason is that in case someone lose my hash, I would be able to, uh, uh, you know, uh, at least my password is longer than the rainbow tables, which is the biggest, you know, database of uh, of, of data, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, of, of, of hashed passwords. So always make sure that it's longer than the, the most recent rainbow table. Um, so make them relatively long. Use a some kind of sentence which makes sense to you. Replace some of the characters with numbers, um, or sorry, of the alphabetic uh, letters with numbers, and sure. then put in a few special characters. You know, a lot of people changes the A with the at sign. Uh, a lot of people would 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 make the association. Okay, if there's or there's a one, then we put an exclamation mark instead. If there's an I, we put in a one or something like that. Yeah. You know what makes sense for you and then do it based on a uh, a sentence that 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 is is significant to yourself um and of course make sure that it's not something that's easily guessable could be a title of a book uh, that you like uh, um and then uh, maybe add a few uh, you know numbers that make sense for you at the both uh, front and uh, and end of the password and then you have something which is fairly secure and how long should it be right now then yeah, I, th- I think rainbow tables, they have up to nine characters now. Okay. Uh, um, so it needs to be more than nine characters. Um, the good thing about rainbow tables is that the longer the password, the less efficient rainbow tables will be because the computing power needed in order to do longer and longer rainbow tables or bigger and bigger rainbow tables is very, very significant. So, for instance, up until the first eight characters, that took about five years to do. Mm-hmm. Up to going to the uh, to the ninth character, so having a all possible character combination for nine character length, uh, nine 
password length. Um, you know, that took them more time than the first first uh, eight character, right? Because it became becoming more and more complex, and they need to do more and more computations in order to do the the hashing. Sure. Um, which is why um, you know what uh, you, you always have to be be longer than nine characters, basically. Okay. Right. Any, anything final you'd like to add? Uh, suggestions and tips for for uh, our listeners in terms of managing their passwords. No, I think it's in in general, you know, just make sure your passwords are unique, that they're long enough, and that they uh, consist some special characters. And uh, you know, uh, uh, based on that, then uh, and the reason because special characters is in order to avoid what's called dictionary attacks. So don't just make your passwords based on a normal word. It has to be more than that because dictionary attacks are quite uh, easy otherwise. Um, yes, I think it's just uh, if you haven't changed your password on LinkedIn, of course, it's a good idea to do now. Um, if you come across any of those websites which allows you to test your password, if it was leaked, uh, don't do it. <laughs> or, <laughs> because those websites, you don't know who's behind them and it might be people who's just sniffing for passwords. Yeah. Yeah, and don't put it on a, a post-it note on your computer or at work, especially and those kinds of things. Um, but I, I hope most people today would be savvy enough to not, not do those obvious things, uh, at least. Yes, at least make sure that your computer is locked into something where you can, you know, if you can protect your post-it note enough, then it's fine, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, very good. That's uh, a lot of good information about LinkedIn and what to do to kind of protect yourself in terms of um, uh, taking care of your passwords and, and, well, creating your passwords in the first place and then taking care of them and, and managing your logins and to different systems. Um, I think that wraps up for LinkedIn. Um, you had a suggestion, we talked about this before the show, a suggestion for next show, and that was home Wi-Fi and how to stay secure um, at home uh, if you have Wi-Fi. I think that was a very good topic. Correct. I think who doesn't have Wi-Fi today, right? So, uh, so we're going to talk a bit about how you configure your router correctly and how you configure your wireless access point correctly and uh, how you make sure that the neighbor doesn't look into what you're listening to and uh, also talk a bit about the different kind of Wi-Fi types that's out there now yeah. um, because there's a big difference in you working at home or when you connect from Starbucks or one of the coffee shops that all uh, supply Wi-Fi services. Absolutely. I think most people, at least if you live in an apartment building, you know that everybody has Wi-Fi and you open up your computer or whatever it is and you see 10, 20, maybe more Wi-Fi networks. I know where we live, we have, I think, uh, I see about 10 from our apartment and I know two of them are completely open. So it's it's actually <laughs> happened when, when we have had... Um, problems with our connection that's happened once or twice that I've actually gone one on one of them instead but, uh, <laughs> but then I, I should you know to be a good neighbor I should try to figure out who they are and let them know uh, and, and see if they, they are aware of what they're doing but yeah we'll, we'll get back to those kinds of issues then in the next show that's a very good topic thanks very much Nikolai again for a good show very welcome see you next time bye -bye. absolutely bye bye <laughs>